Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Mesa Christian Church. I like fire. Who else likes fire? Don't tell me you don't like to see. There's, see, majority of people like fire. That's good. You can take a seat. It's all good. Speaking of fire, um, the about four weeks ago, four or five weeks ago, I uh, spoke a message on a Sunday night service called Betwites. And uh, I talked about, uh, it was about the life of Peter. And, uh, and it was the time when Jesus was going to be crucified and it was about to happen. They didn't realize that, but he did. And, uh, and he has a conversation with his disciples around a communion table, actually. And, and they're having, a, when he broke bread and stuff, and he, at that same time, he has this conversation and says, um, well, you know, um, was going to be a, you know, Peter, you know, you great things in your life. But by tomorrow morning, you're going to deny me three times. And, and Peter's like, I am not. Like, it's like, there's no way, Jesus. He even said, I will, I will die with you. I'll die for you. I'm with you. It's never going to happen. And then that night, early hours of the morning, they come and arrest Jesus. Peter follows the guards and the crowd at a distance, and they set up a fire in the courtyard, the guards and everyone. And, and, um, and then they sit around the fire, and someone says, hey, you, you're a disciple of Jesus. You were with him. And he goes, oh, no, I wasn't. I don't know him because he's like suddenly sitting there and he's scared. He's got guards around him and Jesus is sitting just over there and he's wondering, what's going to go on? What's going to happen here? And no, I don't know him. And then about an hour later, a young girl says, yeah, I've seen you with him. You're one of them. You're one of them. No, no, I don't even know him. Then a third time, someone says, you're a Galilean. You are, you are definitely, you're, you're not one of us. You're Jesus. He says, I am not. I don't even know him. Just leave me alone. I don't even know him. And at that moment, the rooster crows. Crows. And he remembers, the Bible says, he remembers the words of Jesus. And he looks, and Jesus looks, turns, and looks straight at Peter. And that's all he did. He just looked at him. And Peter, the Bible says that Peter just, just basically lost it, just started weeping and just ran out. And then Peter didn't get to talk to Jesus again before he was crucified. And so you can imagine what's going through Peter's head. He's like, you know, I've messed up. That's it. All, all done. I've, I've wrecked it. You know, everything Jesus said, it's not going to happen now. I've just, and he went back to what he used to do. He used to fish and, in boats and that and did his thing. And, and then he hears, on like two days later, on the third day, he hears that someone said, they've seen Jesus. He's alive again. And who is it that runs to the tomb? It's Peter. Why do you think Peter was running to the tomb? Because he's going, I need to talk to Jesus. And so he's, he runs to the tomb. He doesn't see Jesus. And then then after that, Jesus appears to the disciples. He never gets to have a conversation with Jesus. And then one day, and Becky Valerio shared a communion last Sunday morning, if you remember, about this. And then all of a sudden, one morning, they're out in a boat doing their thing, and they see someone on the beach. And then one of the disciples, you know, um, says, I think that's Jesus. And they caught all these fish. And then they and, and Peter didn't care about the fish, didn't care about what he was. They were about 200 meters offshore, and he just jumps out of the boat as soon as he thought that could be Jesus, and he swims to the shore and goes to Jesus. And Jesus prepared be- breakfast for them. They have a meal, and at the end of it, Jesus has a conversation with Peter in front of them all and says, Peter, ask him three times, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And he goes, of course I love you. I love you. And, and basically reinstated Peter. But he said, and basically saying, I love you, Peter. I forgive you, Peter. I've blown it. I'm still going to use you. It's okay. And so 
a couple of weeks after um, Jesus rising from the dead. And then, and today I basically want to take from that point and talk a bit about Peter, but also about what happened at that point. And I want to kind of put yourself in Peter's position and put yourself in this position of what we talk about today and, and imagine being there and, and what you know Peter was like and ended up doing. We're going to find out. And so he's at this point here and then we forward, fast forward in time to about three weeks' time, about three weeks' time, 40 days, okay, after Jesus had risen from the dead. He walked the earth for 40 days, and the Bible doesn't tell us a lot about what he said to the disciples and, and what they did, but they had, you know, lots of conversations and things, and then one time they're sitting down together. So they're sitting and having a conversation, and in Acts 1, 4 to 11, once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I've told you before, John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the, the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Because they thought Jesus is going to, he's going to be here now. He's going to remove the Romans. He's going to, we're going to, you know, his kingdom's going to be established anywhere. It's going to be, you know, they were thinking this is it. He's going to hang with us and it's all going to be good. He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set in times and they are not for you to know. But then he just turns and says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, suddenly this happens. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were still watching. could no longer see him as they strained to see him rising into heaven. So they're like, suddenly Jesus is like, like you know, beam me up, Scotty. And so it's like, it's the Star Trek's up there. And so Jesus is gone into the clouds and they're looking up, straining. I just saw him and no, he's gone. Where's he gone? And then he's straining. And then while they're straining and looking up, it says, um, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here to heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the way you saw him go. He's going to come back. He's going to come back, church, the same way, through the clouds. And everyone's going to see it happen. It's going to happen. And so with that happens, so Peter's with Jesus. They're all with Jesus. They love hanging out with Jesus. And then suddenly he's gone. If we, fight, we, we go back in time a little bit, before Jesus was crucified, he had one other conversation with them and so he began to talk to them about, I am going to go. He'd warned them, but they, they tended to forget a few things that Jesus said. And when they actually happened, they go, oh, yeah, I remember he said that. And so they had this other conversation, and, and Jesus also explained and told them about saying that I'm going to go, but I'm going to send one, the Holy Spirit, who needs to come. And he told them about who the Holy Spirit is and what he was going to do. He gives us a picture of what the Holy Spirit was going where he is. And so in John 16, 5 to 15, this is before Jesus has been crucified. He's sitting down and talking to him. But now I'm going away uh, to the one who sent me, and not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. So they're like, he's starting to tell them he's going to go away, and they're upset that we don't want you to go. We, we, want, we want you here forever, Jesus. Like, you have to stay. We need you. We want you here. We love hanging out with you. You've taught us so much stuff. Jesus to be there forever. And, and he says, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away. 
He said, in other words, it's not going to be, if I stay, it's not going to be as good as if the Holy Spirit comes. Because if I don't, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, the counselor, the helper, won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to When he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will, uh, will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. Let me just mention something that I just, as I read that then. It's not our job to convict people of sin. Because if you do, it comes across as judgment. And that will push people away. The Holy Spirit will convict people of sin. It's our job to love people and reveal Jesus through our lives by loving them and caring for them. And as we do that, the Holy Spirit will work on their heart and will convict them of their sin. And you don't have to point out their sin or point out or say this, 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 because they know it because the Holy Spirit will reveal it to them. There is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will go truth. He will not speak on His own, but will tell you what He has heard. He will tell you about the future. This is all the things the Holy Spirit does. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever He receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is Jesus speaking. That is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever He receives from me. So in other words, every time you hear the Holy Spirit speak something into your life, it's exactly, it's coming straight from Jesus. The Father, so it's coming from the Father. The, 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 they're three in one. Father, Spirit, and Son, they all think the same. They speak the same. They're not thinking different things. So it all comes. So when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, it's coming directly as if Jesus was speaking to you face to face, speaking to you. So all this happens. So Peter has been on this up and down journey. So he's like, you know, we're only talking, you know, with like six, five and a half weeks ago. Peter is like in a spot where he's denied Jesus, thought I've blown it, I've, I've wrecked the whole thing, and then suddenly. He's a couple of weeks later, he's sitting on a beach and Jesus has like basically forgiven him and brought him back closer. And so then he's been his up and down journey of and now suddenly Jesus is just having a conversation. Then he's gone. Peter's like, oh man, what's going on? You know, and so but he's but then he holds on to the fact that Jesus did I go because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. In fact, it's better if I go and the Holy comes than if I stay. Think about that for a moment. It's better. It's, if Jesus was here, still walking the earth, doing miracles, it wouldn't be as good as if the Holy Spirit was here. Why is that? Why is that? Because the Holy Spirit become, comes upon all of us. That's how the, that was the plan. And what Jesus did. We are Jesus to this world. We, we can do the things that Jesus did. That was the whole purpose of the Holy Spirit coming upon us. And so... So this has all happened, and then so we're 40, you know, 40 days after he's risen from the dead, Peter, uh, Jesus is gone, and they said, okay, well, what are we going to do? We, he, we know that the Holy Spirit's coming. Jesus didn't say how or when or what he's going to look like or what he's going to be wearing or anything. They're like, they think, well, he's a person. They're talking about him, so is he going to come? Is he going to be like Jesus? Is it going to? And so they said, but he said to wait. So they're waiting. It ends up being 120 of them in this, in this room, and they're waiting and they're praying, and for 10 days, and 10 days later, 50 days after Jesus rose from the dead, 
which is 50 stands for Pente, Pentecost. So 50 days. Pentecost just means 50 days after Jesus rose from the dead. We celebrate Pentecost every year when the Holy Spirit was poured out. There's a room. And then in Acts chapter 2, it says, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. There was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Who's been in a cyclone? A large cyclone, Category 4 cyclone. I know a couple people have. And uh, who would say would it be like, like, I've talked to, I haven't been one that big, but people have said it's like having a jet engine right next outside your window, full bring the wind shaking, roaring. It's like this windstorm that's coming. When the Bible says it's a windstorm, it's like a, a roaring windstorm. It's not like, oh, this is a nice day. Let's go for a parasail down the front beach because it's like, oh, it's it's nice gentle breeze. It'd be a nice day down there. It wasn't a gentle breeze. It was a roaring windstorm. They didn't have glass windows in those days. They would have been just open. And suddenly this wind comes in and probably knocked them over. And the Holy Spirit says, I'm here. You know, and it's like, I'm here. And it's like, so this mighty windstorm filled the house where they're sitting. And then what looked like flames of tongue appeared and set on each of them, signifying that there's an anointing on each person. That he came upon each person. There's an anointing. There's a, there's a flame. There's a tongue of fire. There's a, uh, the power of the Holy Spirit on each individual life, on your each individual lives here. It's not just for that person. Oh, oh they got it. I've missed out. No, it's for everyone. He wants to anoint every single person, every single person. That was signified here. And so, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave this, them this ability. And then it flows on. And then basically, we go into verse 14 in a moment, but basically a crowd of people from all these different nationalities came over. Now, why did they come over? It says they came over and they heard them praising God in their own language, which was impossible their language, but the Holy Spirit had given them the ability to speak in other tongues and other languages and, and began to, you know, they began to speak and praising God. But that wouldn't have been why they gathered. I think they heard the roar of the windstorm. It wouldn't have been common at 9 o'clock in the morning to have a cyclone turn up in the middle of the city and this roar going, what, what is this roar? What's that sound? And so they all rush over to see what's going on in that room over there and thousands of people are gathered around. If you're at this, Dion did a whole night on uh, teaching about the Holy Spirit and about receiving the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you weren't, can buy them and order them. So I encourage you to do that as well and goes in a bit more depth than this. And so... They basically hear this sound and they're gathered around this building. And then the, the 120 believers, they kind of sort of, you know, they, they were like, they were looking at them going, they look like they're drunk. They were, they were like way under the weight of the Spirit. They were a bit wobbly. They were a bit drunk. They were overcome by the Spirit. And they're, just, they're praising God in all these different languages. And these people are amazed going, how can they, they're people my language and this thing, that thing. And they all understood what they were saying. And then Peter, Peter gets up. Peter stepped forward in verse 14 with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk as you are at 9 o'clock in the morning. It's much too early for, early for that. No, what, you are, what, we, what we see was pretty long ago by the prophet Joel. Just think about this for a moment. This is seven weeks ago. Peter was sitting around a campfire, scared. Couldn't even say he admitted he was ever with Jesus. 
was only a small group of people, a few soldiers, a few people hanging around a campfire. It that he was with Jesus because he was scared about what would happen to him. Now, he, he's standing and there's a crowd of thousands. And he didn't, the Peter of seven weeks ago would have been in the corner going, um, no, sorry, you go out and say something, I'm staying here. The Peter of seven weeks ago wasn't the Peter that was standing there on the day of Pentecost. In seven weeks, there'd been a transformation around Peter's life. And so then he gets up and begins to, not only that, he begins, there wasn't any inspiration. He didn't go, oh, I think, you know, something's going to happen tonight. I think this is the day. And like, I've got to get a message ready because all these thousands of people are going to arrive. And, you know, we've got to put some barriers up there to fit them all in and we'll get some things organized. He didn't know anything that was going to happen. He just gets up and this boldness came up on the inside. And he begins to speak and he begins to quote the word of God. And it says, Joel said, he said, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. They will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit on even my servants and men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark. The moon will turn blood red before the great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then he, he, he goes and talks to them about what happened, what Jesus was, Jesus was crucified, the whole, the whole picture, and he just confidently tells them. And then verse 37 says, Peter's words pierced their hearts. This is to the crowd. And they said to him and to other apostles, brothers, what should we do? In other words, what do we do? We, aren't, we believe what you're saying. We understand what you're saying. What do we do? Peter replied, Each of your sins, turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you'll receive the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, which is talking about us. And all who have been called by our Lord God, then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners to save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about and in all. And the words that Jesus spoke over Peter's life on this rock, your name's rock, I will build my church, came true that day. Peter, who thought he'd messed it, who'd missed it seven, only seven weeks ago. Imagine, what were you doing seven weeks ago in your life? What were you doing? Think about what, seven weeks isn't that long. And he thought he'd totally wrecked it. But seven weeks later, he's standing in front of a crowd, thousands of people. And maybe in your life, you felt like sometimes you think, I've just messed up. Of the way God's going to use me because I've, I've just messed up so many times. I've missed it so many times. I know God wanted me to do that, and I didn't do it. And you think, oh, no, he just, he's not going to use me. No, that's not true. It's not true. Jesus paid the price for all your mistakes. He, made, he took your place for the times done that and didn't do it, that, that mistake, that sin, whatever it may have been. You haven't missed it. Peter thought he'd missed it. He'd hung out with Jesus and was so close to him for three years and you think at the end of three years, there's no way he would deny him. You know, he knew the miracles. He'd seen people raised from the dead. He'd seen incredible miracles happen. He'd seen all this kind of stuff. And yet he got to a point of his weakness where he still said, oh, no. But the difference came when the Holy Spirit came. There was a change. 
See, you, before the Holy Spirit came, you could have, he could have had a crowd of people outside that room. Talk to us about Jesus, Peter. Oh, no, I can't do that. No, 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 no. I've got, I'm, I'm just waiting. Jesus said, just wait. I can't, no, I can't do that. But when the Holy Spirit came upon him, no one had to ask him. He jumped up and he walked forward and stood and shouted, the Bible says, to the crowd. He boldly shared with confidence because the Holy Spirit boldness and will give you confidence to do what you couldn't do before. There's a, um, a friend of mine who I just found out yesterday and, and uh, he used to go to this church when he was a teenager. His dad was a pastor here many years ago in the, in, uh, the early 90s and his name's Josh Bell and some of you would know him, some of you would not know him. And, um, and he... Um, you know, about six years ago, he basically gets some family and basically all the kids and that all walked away from God. Him and his two twin sisters and they were, their relationship good and, and they, when they were about 15, 16, a whole lot of stuff happened. And for 15 years, he'd been away from God. And about six, five or six years ago, uh, an incredible miracle happened in their family. And uh, on the, they're all living in different cities, him and his two sisters living in different places. And on the same day, they all came back to God on the same day. And, uh, and they didn't even know it happened until eight days later saying, look, this has happened in my life. I need to forgive you. I need to... And they said, well, I did the same thing on the same day. And I did the same thing. And so it was all like incredible miracle. Their whole family restored. So, and then in the last few days, um, he, he'd been telling me he's, he's, he went an opportunity to go overseas. And so he is, uh, he's involved with the church down in Melbourne. And, and a little while ago, he was asked to become part of a band. It's like a worship band and some guys from different churches. And, uh, and they songs, and he didn't write them. He was playing bass in the band. But the guy wrote the song about a month ago. The song he wrote uh, went to number one in Australia. And, um, and so they're just a sort of nobody band, really. And they're just doing worship events at churches. Anyway, they, then they get a contact uh, through someone who uh, knew one of the guys and basically said, we want you to come to Sweden. Um, we have an event happening called Awakening Europe. It's run by a pastor from Bethel Church, from uh, Bill Johnson's church. Reinhard Bonnke speaking at it. Heidi Baker's speaking at it. All these incredible worship, uh, Bethel band and uh, some guys are all doing worship. And we want you to open the worship at this event. And these guys aren't even... They're just ordinary guys from a church. And so Josh is, happens to be playing the bass in this church. And, but I know in the last five years that, that he's, whole, he's just surrendered everything to God. So said, God, whatever you can use me, whatever you want to do, I will do. And his whole life is totally changed. So they get this opportunity. And so there's a video. And they're up on stage and they're leading worship with Martin Smith, who used to have Delirious and all that. Martin Smith and their band and their incredible worship with thousands of people in Sweden and, and there's a move of God happening in Sweden in that place in Europe for over this weekend and, and so they have an opportunity and the point I want to make about that if I'd have said to him five years ago said oh you know you know God you know God could you know you could play God could use you mightily and do this and do that wouldn't it be great if God used you musically and you said oh that he would say that would never happen he said God he said I've he would say I've I don't deserve that. I've messed up, done so much. He said, I don't deserve that. He just walked away from God. He, had, he deliberately knew exactly what he was doing. He deliberately said he was so hurt and so broken and so angry at God that he didn't want anything to do with any church, any Christian, nothing at all. And we'd stayed friends, though, through it. And, um, and so, but he said, oh, that'll never happen. But now, in, in a matter of, God took a group of young guys out of Melbourne who no one knew anything about and said, and put them in front of thousands just to worship him to write. And that's who God wanted to use.
And so I share that to say you never know what the Holy Spirit and what God can do. And you, you can be sitting in little Harvey Bay. No one knows anything about you. And you never know what God, and I'm not just talking about being in front of a stage of people. You never know what God will take you with your business and your workplace and your skills. And, and what, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you never know what he will do with you when he comes upon you. And Peter was in the, seven weeks ago, he thought, I've, I've missed, like Josh, I've missed it. God will never use me now. But seven weeks later, he's preaching in front of thousands, beginning the first church, and God chose him. It wasn't the other disciples that denied Jesus. None of the others denied Jesus, apart from Judas. None of the others denied Jesus. Peter did. And he thought, oh, well, I could have used... The others were good as well. I'll use him. I'll use him instead of Peter, because Peter's kind of like, he's a bit of a loose cannon. He never know he could deny me again. No, he him. He chose him. He said, there's something in Peter's life. You're the one. You're the one. Even though you got some faults, even though your mouth off, even though you got a bit violent sometimes and try to hack off a guy's ear when they were trying to arrest me, even though, as he did, like he was, he, he, that wasn't that long ago either. And so he did all that kind of stuff and yet God still got Peter's life and said, so it doesn't matter what you think you've done matter if you think you've missed anything i've wrecked it so many times god will never want it you never know god jesus has paid the price for your sin in god's eyes when he has paid the price between you and god there's no barriers there's no there's no stuff he's washed it away and when your relationship with god and when you surrendered to god when you lay down your life like peter in those weeks you never know what he'll do that is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That is a picture of what God wants to do in all our lives. Now, it doesn't mean you have to be on a platform. It doesn't mean, but, you know, doing in front of crowds. God wants to use you in your workplace, in, every, in, your, in your school. He wants to give you wisdom. The Holy Spirit wants to empower you and give you wisdom. The Holy Spirit wants to come upon you and creative ideas. He wants to use you wherever you are in your life will actually be a light that shines in the darkness. It'll be a, that can be drowned, but your life can shine in the darkness and actually invade that darkness and show the love of Jesus to people. But it comes through the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon you. Holy Spirit gives us the ability to do things we could never have done on our own. You can try, you can, you can, you can do, you know, we have lots of abilities and talents, and you can do some great things in your own, to a point where you go, I can't do any more than I've done. I, I, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to, but the Holy Spirit can come upon you and He can take you 10 steps further than where you could have gone in your own strength because that is the Holy Spirit. That is the, the one who empowers us. That is the one that gives us confidence and boldness and wisdom and creative ideas. That's why the Holy Spirit has come. To finish off today, I just want to share a bit about who the Holy Spirit The Bible talks a lot about His personality and who He is. And I want to read you this list. This, he is our counselor or helper forever. John 14, 16 to 17 and 26. He lives with us and in us. He's the spirit of truth. In the same verse, it says that. He shows Jesus to us. He reveals, the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus to those that don't know Him. You can, you can, I've heard so many stories recently, Muslims in other countries, they're in, they're in countries that are, it's banned to be a Christian, but they're having visions of Jesus. And they hear voices. 
And the Holy Spirit is just waking him up and speaking to them and telling him the gospel because no one else can get in there, but he, he's just doing it. The Holy Spirit shows Jesus to us. He shows Jesus to them. He transforms us into Jesus' image. He makes us like Jesus. He fills us with rivers of living water in John 7, 37. He knows all things, 1 Corinthians 2, 10 and 11. He is grieved by sin. Ephesians 4.30. He's for us perfectly even when we don't know what to say according to God's will. Romans 8.26.27. He makes decisions. 1 Corinthians 12.7-11. He produces holiness in us. Galatians 5.16-25. He gives us supernatural gifts. They're the gifts of the Spirit. Romans 12.48 and 1 Corinthians 12. He is, our, he is our teacher. He's our guide. And He convicts people of sin do it he can do it all he loves people the holy spirit was given to live inside those who believe in jesus in order to produce god's character in the life of a believer in a way that we cannot do on our own the holy spirit will build into our lives love joy peace patience kindness goodness faith gentleness and self-control that's his character that's who he is and that's what he wants to implant in our lives Rather than to be loving, patient, and kind, trying to do it in our own strength, God asks us to rely on Him, the Holy Spirit, to produce those qualities in our lives. You can, that's a great list, and you think, I'd, you know, I'd love to have all those qualities in my life. And, you, and people are trying in their own strength to try and be loving, try and be kind, trying to be patient. And they, some and then others, they're lacking, but the Holy Spirit can actually make you strong in all of them over time but also how much you're willing to surrender. Because sometimes the biggest challenge can be is, I can do this on my own. Holy Spirit, I need you here, but oh no, I'll do, I've got this one, it's okay. Just have a rest for a moment. I know you're hard, working hard. But He wants surrender in every area of your life. Every area of your life. There's one aspect we could... All that, that's an incredible list of things. Like, if everyone, if everyone's come to me, these are all the strengths of someone's life, this is the strength of the Holy Spirit, then why wouldn't you ever want to have the Holy Spirit with you, leading you, guiding you? Because He knows, it says He knows all things. He knows things that we can't even comprehend. He has wisdom for decisions. He has so much that we need, He has. And He's willingly saying, I want to lead you. I want to guide you. I want to show you. I want, and I want to empower you to do everything that God has called you. Here's one last thought of one of those things. Jesus said this, that in Acts 1.6, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So he said, power is going to come upon you. I want you to think about this thought for a moment. When Jesus was baptized... He came up out of the water. He was baptized by John the Baptist. He came out of the water. And the Bible says that the Spirit of God just sent like a dove. Now, a dove is a, it's a gentle bird, okay? It's not a dove like it's easily spooked. It's not something that you go, oh, I'm scared. It'll fly away, you know? But I was down at, um, down at Double Island Point yesterday and uh, on the beach. And all these, there were seagulls, which are a pain. And there was crows showing up. And they were, trying, they were eating bits of fish. And they were annoying. All of a sudden... This eagle arrives, sea eagle, two-meter wingspan, starts cruising, way, I looked up, and as he got a little bit lower, all the birds are gone. They're like, 
I said, just hang around here, eagle. You're welcome anytime you want. All the birds are gone. All the birds disappeared because the eagle's just cruising around. He's much bigger than them, much stronger than them. And they thought, I'm not going to mess with an eagle. And so all the food that they were trying to get, suddenly it's like, eagle, you take whatever you want. We're going. And so there's a fish eagle comes flying down amongst all these people and cars or whatever, grabs it and just flies off. Massive big bird. And then went off and ate it to do. And later on, he came back again for another feed. But the dove isn't like an eagle. Okay, he, the, the Spirit of God didn't come down on Jesus like an eagle, like, oh, you know, it wasn't like that. The Holy Spirit showed up on Pentecost like a mighty windstorm. Okay, he said, I'm here, and he came like that. But when the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus, he came like gentle, like a dove. People sometimes come and need to shake us a bit and shake a few things out of us, wake us up a bit, and comes through a bit powerful and wake up, you're asleep, you know. Sort this out. Wake it up. Wake you up. Other times he comes very gently. Comes very gently and says, hey, I love you. You don't need to be shaken. You don't need to be yelled at or just whatever or going, oh, you know. You just need the kind, encouraging words of the Spirit of God. And so I want you to imagine this for a moment. He come upon Jesus like a dove. Not to make the Holy Spirit as like this, but imagine you had a that you loved. His name was Sam. And so, and, and you've and you got a dove, so the dove's general, right? And so you're, just imagine, you want this dove because you love this bird. You want, you're walking, you're going around the house or wherever you may be in the backyard and, uh, and you want this dove to stay. You don't want it to run off but because you, you like having, and so you're not going to just go wildly run around, come on, let's go for a run. You know, the dove's like, whoa. You know, it's like, dove's like, see you later. I want to hang around wild. But so you're going to be walking gently. And everything you do, you're going to be aware of how it's going to affect the dove on your shoulder. And before you do anything, before you're making decisions, you're going to be thinking, well, what's, how's that going to affect the dove? Or, or what, what's, what's going to happen to that? So you're going to make decisions according to on your shoulder. If I flip that around, the Holy Spirit is walking with us every day. And he's listening to every conversation. And he's watching everything we do. And if we are wanting the Holy Spirit to be upon us in power, and we're wanting him to be with us, and we're listening, we want his advice, and we want in every situation, then every decision we make, we're going to consider and be aware the Holy Spirit's here. What is the Holy going to think if I do this? What is the Holy Spirit going to think if I watch this? What does the Holy Spirit think about that conversation I had? Or if I say this or I do this? And when you're aware of the Holy Spirit, see when the Bible says this, He is grieved by sin. So He loves people, but He's the Holy Spirit. He's not some other spirit. He's the Holy Spirit. Holiness means to separate yourself from sin. Okay, so He, he loves people, but hates sin. He's not going to hang around sin. Okay, but and it also says that he produces holiness in us in Galatians. It says that. So he's wanting to produce holiness in us. He's wanting us to be more like Jesus. So he's wanting to help us do that. And he does that by it's like when you're about to do something, you go, uh-uh, shouldn't do that. Don't do that. Don't make that decision. There's a better way. There's a better way. No, don't, yeah, there's a better way. Don't be rash. Don't, don't be impatient and rush into something. No, and you could be in a business decision and you're like, no, don't make that decision. Just wait. 
just wait. There's a, there's a better way. And so he wants to help us in everyday life. But we need to be aware of him. And sometimes we go, no, nah, it's okay. I'll do it myself. I want to do it my way. And it can grieve the Holy Spirit. And he's with you, he still loves you, but he just takes a couple of steps away. And it's like, okay, see how that goes for you. Go for it. You go for it. And then we kind of get to a point going, oh, man, that didn't work. And we're like, God, forgive me. And it's like, he's like right back going, it's okay. It's okay. He said, you made, you made a mistake, he said, but I want to help you next time. Don't rush into that next time. He's, he's a real person. You understand what I'm saying? He's your friend. You can stice. You can stop in the middle of the day what you do and say, Holy Spirit. And you can ask, say this, Holy Spirit, what, what should we do? And just sometimes we sell a lot of stuff and we don't wait for the answer. We kind of keep talking the whole time thinking, and he's like, I haven't had a chance to speak because you're speaking so fast and so much. Just wait. And then this voice, this inner, this, this voice, these words will just come to break every thought in your mind or just into your heart. And you're like, you just, no, okay, that's what I need to do. It works. And he does the powerful as well. He heals bodies. He does the miracles. He does the, he shakes people and out of their sin and wakes them up. And, but he comes gently as well. Worship team, you come on up as we finish today. Holy Spirit wants to help you. He helped Peter. Peter couldn't do anything he did without the Holy Spirit. The way the disciples, the apostles lived, the church was planted was like that. They were fully aware every single moment of the Holy Spirit. They were fully aware that everything they did, they didn't do anything, that they didn't want to do anything with grieve the Holy Spirit. They wanted to do everything, say, Holy Spirit, lead us, guide us, to the, to the point where the power of God flowed so much through Peter that he would say so coming and being healed, incredible miracles are happening to the point where they would just put, put um, crippled people and sick people on the streets and shadow would just touch them and they'd be instantly healed. It wasn't, it wasn't about Peter or anything uh, great about Peter or great about uh, you know, power that Peter had more than anyone else. Peter's life was yielded in surrender completely to God, to the Holy Spirit, saying, Holy Spirit, I know what it's from you. I know what it's like to deny Jesus. I don't want to go back there. I don't want to depend on my own strength because in my own strength, I cut off a guy's ear. I did this. I made some bad decisions. I did all this sort of stuff. I don't want to be there. I want to be fully surrendered to you. And when you're fully surrendered to God, the impossible becomes possible. Miracles happen. God has got your back. As I think Rach said this morning in the first service, He's got your back. He's with you. moving around just for a few moments we're about to finish just want you to close your eyes and just ask a couple of questions before we end today the first one is it's the most important question I believe it's the most important miracle that can ever happen in someone's life it's better than someone being healed it's to a relationship with Jesus someone being forgiven someone moving from you know eternal darkness to eternal life moves from out of sin into forgiveness and freedom it's someone surrendering their life to Jesus it's the greatest thing you can ever do and I just want to simply ask this morning is there anyone here and if you don't know Jesus you feel distant from him or you don't ever know him at all 
you think, oh, there's some things in my life. I know I've done some things wrong. And right now, when I was talking about the Holy Spirit convict and just bring some things to memory in our lives, it's like right now in this place, there's some things going, the Holy Spirit reminding you that, yeah, there's, there's that and that and that. And, he's, and you can deal with that right now by saying, Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me. Because he wants to draw close to you. And if you're here today and you're saying, oh, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to surrender my life to him and I want him to be in control. If that's you, I want you to put up your hand in this place. If you need to do that, it's the greatest decision you can ever make. We ask at every service because we important to us that every single person has an opportunity to know Jesus. Is there anyone here this morning you want to do that today? The second question I want to ask is that that there's people here and you want your relationship with the Holy Spirit to be much better than it is at the moment. That it's like that you've made some decisions and it's like, you go, I can do this in my own strength. And you maybe done things in your own strength and your own. And it's not like you're not fully surrendered maybe every area of your life. Or it's like you're part of it's all good, but some of it's like, I've got to do this myself. But today you realize that you want the Holy Spirit to help you. Some of you aren't filled with the Holy Spirit. Some of you haven't had the Holy Spirit come upon you in power and, and maybe you don't speak in other tongues. We'd love to pray with you this morning to receive that this morning. But it's like an awareness. It's like you're living life, but you're not stopping and being aware that He is there. Just thinking, you are there, Holy Spirit, and I need to be more aware of you because I need your help. I need your help. I need your help in everyday life. I need your help me to make good choices and decisions I need to. Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.